Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean and I talk preseason NBA hoops, more NBA news, and other sports stories. This episode of the Front Office Podcast is brought to you by CourtSmith.com. For all of your basketball apparel needs for your AAU teams, go to CourtSmith.com. And we're back with another episode of the Front Office Podcast. I am Derek Dawson, and I am pleased again to be joined by my main man, Sean Gantworker. Sean, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, I just want you to know that uh, normally I do not talk to pawns, so uh, tread carefully. <laughs> I totally understand. I totally understand. Hey, first things first. How do you go from stealing a Tom Brady jersey, a game-worn jersey, to be found in Tom Brady's home a year later? And no one's following you. Like, who, who, who is this guy who is this stalking Tom Brady? I don't know. I, I don't know. Is it, is it possible it's Belichick? It, <laughs> it might be Bobby Belichick Jr. It might be. <laughs> Sounds like he needs it. That's, it's, what, what a bizarre story. What a bizarre story, man. That's, I just had to throw that out and leave with that because that's just weird to me. Um, on the flip side, what's not weird to me, Sean... I know you're ready for 2024. The 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 Olympics are bringing breakdancing as a uh, to Olympic status for 2024 in Paris. Oh man, I can't wait! Uh, shout out to all my fellow fans of breaking to electric boogaloo. But <laughs> th- thank you for the Olympic Commission, uh, uh, Olympic Committee, finally admitting what we all knew: baseball apparently not a sport. Breakdancing is. Hey, you know what? If you get a gold medal. In breaking, I really believe like you can walk around with that gold medal and 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 like no one can tell you anything if you have a breaking uh, gold medal. Well, here's my idea, right? Let's not give them uh, a gold medal. Let's give them like a gold boombox that they can carry over their shoulders. Ooh, I wonder what they will play. Let's get to the good stuff. Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson had something to say about uh, your main man, James Harden. And parental discretion is advised. One, to me, it just, it's just simple. James Harden don't want to be held accountable. Dan Tony is the worst defensive coach in NBA history. Ain't going to win shit. Ain't won shit as a head coach. 
and he's easy to run over. So James is trying to continue to be around close to Dan Tony so he can't be held accountable. And then again, what type of dude is you? The Rockets finally get a young black coach. A young black coach get an opportunity, and you don't want to show up to camp. You don't want to play for him. How that look? And you wonder why every time a black coach get a job, they put him in a bullshit situation. Look what you're doing. What a real one would do is go play for that black coach and make him look good and build with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, some real ones. But obviously, you want to chase rappers around. Jackson is 100% correct in his analysis. I think that Stephen Jackson, first of all, is respected by the the players in the league. You know, it's a different kind of respect than what LeBron gets. It's more of a big brother kind of respect. Like what he says, you better listen or he might go upside your head. Um, and, and I think him saying that James Harden not or James Harden needing to play with Houston for the black coach. I think it needed to be said. And not that that should keep James Harden on the Houston Rockets cuz if James Harden wants to leave, he should hey, he should want to leave. But he should also feel that he needs to stay for that very same reason. That's what I took for it from it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty sound argument. I think on the in the greater picture, we're seeing this very interesting backlash to player empowerment. Um, and now the fact that it's seemingly coming from former players is, is huge. We haven't really seen it like this before, because normally, you know, it's a fraternity. Players retire, and then they will continue to either say nothing or, uh, or quietly maybe behind the scenes and send some text messages. But for Steven Jackson to say this in such a an open forum was, was fascinating. So the Rockets finally get a young black coach. A young black coach gets an opportunity and you don't want to show up to camp. You don't want to play for him. How's that look? Well, not great. Right. Mm-hmm. Even from beyond just a, a racial perspective, the simple fact is it's remarkably unprofessional. And while I don't begrudge people from making their choices in this pandemic, the fact that he has made the decision to, uh, violate the league's COVID stuff, which is certified in their collective bargaining agreement now, I believe, uh, so publicly is a disaster. Like, do it on your own time, not on your employer's time. So, here's where I am twofold. He needs to get to work. Yes. And uh, he, he can quietly pull some strings with his agent, but if he continues to self-sabotage, what I believe the proper recourse is, is basically for the team to find him, almost indefinitely. Because they have the leverage. Yes, Harden can complain and sit out this year. But guess what? He's still under contract for one more year after that and has a player option after that. So call his bluff. Yep. Because as Steven Jackson said, Steven Silas isn't some nobody. You know, he's not the third string coach from Loyola Marymount. Right. This dude is an NBA lifer. He is an NBA protege of Steven Silas, one of the most respected men in the league, you know, genetically or not, a protege. And he's got a good system coming from Carlisle. And right now, I mean, I'm watching this team in a play preseason. This team isn't going to roll over and die. Like, they're not championship contenders, but they they took maybe a step back from last year, but a step back of that roster is fifth or sixth seed. Harden needs to get to work, play like, play like he should, and if he impresses people with his play and his temperament, then fine. 
call Daryl Morey and demand the, uh, Ben Simmons. Until then, do your job. You know, Paul Silas is, is from, you know, we're he from the same area that I'm from, Oakland, California. You know, we breed winners out here, first of all. Let me let, me let y'all understand. We just breed winners out here in Oakland. But, but Stephen Silas, great pedigree. I totally agree with what you you saying, what you, what you were saying. You, you say it more eloquently than I could ever put it. That's why you're you're here and I'm here. We're we're kind of like the the Bizarro Jalen Jacoby. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yes, but to, 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 to give the people what they want. Got to give the people what they want. But to to kind of jump on it, like you said, James Harden can do what he wants to do. He has this year on his contract, next year, and then an opt-out after that. If he doesn't play this year, that means he loses a year of his life. And then next year, if he tries to make that gamble again, best believe he's going to opt in on that $47 million contract. Because if you're not playing for two years, you're not leaving that money on the table, first of all. So you're going to just lose your career um, over not playing for the Houston Rockets and Steven Silas. I I don't understand you know, also to Steven Jackson's point again, you know, this is an opportunity. And I think we had this conversation on an earlier podcast. Um, these players should feel in, uh, an entitlement of a sort, a, a duty to want to play for a Steven Silas or a coach that looks like them. And and I know that, yeah. I, and I know that, you know, some people may not, uh, understand that it's just like this i'm gonna take it he's gonna have the same kind of track record that doc rivers has if you allow him and you help him because john wall and demarcus cousins are taking it upon themselves not just for themselves but i can bet that steven silas has something to do with the potential emergence of those two guys oh oh yeah i mean i i'm a hypocrite i claim not to care that much about that kind of representation but then uh you know, the, the Washington Wizards tweeted out about Denny and Hanukkah, and I was all over that. So uh, right. this, this, Jew, this Jew is just as prideful as anybody else. Um, <laughs> I think I think it does matter, obviously, not just the fact that Silas is, is African-American, but he's remarkably competent, right? Yes. It, Stephen Silas put in just as much as work as a guy like Tom Thibodeau did. Yes. And got rejected for the same amount of opportunities and yeah, like, it's troubling, but at the same time, they got their opportunities. And now it's up to them to make the best of them. And for James Harden and, uh, and, and some of his ilk to be claiming, particularly during these Black Lives Matters protests, that they believe in black excellence, absolutely go for it. Represent it. That's wonderful. But when Stephen Silas gets an opportunity in a state that's historically very conservative, mm-hmm. For a team that historically, more often than not, kind of has Caucasian coaches, and these are great coaches. Yes. This is no slight to Mikhail, to yep. Van Gundy, to Tom Janovich, to D'Antonio, but this is your chance to, you know, walk the talk and dribble the ball, as they say. Definitely. Show up to training camp and do your job, especially when people are leaking like crazy that you basically demanded organizational changes for the last decade or so, whether those be personnel or executive-based, they catered to your demands, and then they came to you and asked you for your insight on the head coach. You didn't offer it, and now you claim to be angry? 
it's just it's a bad look. It's just a really really gross situation. You know, and for the same the same uh, storyline of the Stephen A. Smith saying Steve Nash cut the line to become the Brooklyn coach, and black coaches don't get those winning type of opportunities for Steven Silas to now get hired in Houston. And the opportunity isn't atrocious. is isn't, it isn't a terrible spot to be in, you know? Um, but at the same time, it's James Harden can determine that as well. He can determine if this is a great spot to be in, or if this can be a terrible spot to be in with the, with the disgruntled superstar, you know, being there. And, and it's like you said, it's not like James Harden and Steven Silas have never crossed paths. They have had to cross paths in some capacity, whether it be at an all-star weekend. You know, um, they 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 know of some of the same people I'm willing to bet. And for James Harden to say, nope, not even to even try it for for the first to training or to the trading deadline is it just shows James Harden is it, it, it's making me look at him a little bit differently. Uh, I think so, too. I mean. He plays or has played in a system that was tinkered to make everybody else work with him. He was the straw that serves the drink. The simple fact of the matter is that when James Harden is not part of that offense, it doesn't work because they rely on him to dictate everything. The ball flows through him. So the fact that he is unwilling to go to preseason, or was, it looks like he may actually show up against the Spurs in another day. But he was unwilling to go through training camp while this coach attempts to install a system that ostensibly is being made for him to play in, uh, sets that team back uh, remarkably. And uh, it's really sad that he had to be humbled to an extent that he's going to finally show up and do his job on December the 14th. You know, and and the thing about it for me, hey, I'm I'm of the adage, if you want to go, I'm going to trade you. Goodbye. I don't need this problem. You know, I'd rather run with DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall on, on half legs than, than you jacking up trying to get 50 points a game because they're going to give me a, 100% of 100% or 100% of 50% is better than 50% of 100%. You know, and, and I, just, I just feel that James Harden, if, if you want to go, you can go. I'll send you to to a team where I'm going to send you to, and and I'll have them deal with that. And I don't, I know I'm not going to get a bunch of stuff back, but I know I'm going to get three first round picks back, and that's kind of like, hey, not a problem for me. And shout out to Stephen Jackson as well for 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 having. Well, you know, Stephen Jackson has the gall to to do it, you know. And at the same time, because I know guys don't talk about other guys' money. No one's talking about if Paul George deserved his max deal. Those guys, hey, get the bag, Paul. Do what you got to do. You know, and no one really talks about guys wanting to get traded out of situations that they're in. But for Steven Jackson to come out and say, hey, no, wait, wait, wait. This is different. This is when you're supposed to, to take one for the team, James. I'm glad Steven Jackson actually pointed that out. Yeah, it needed to be said. And uh, if he's the first... Uh First guy to do it, then good for him. And if James and exactly, and if James Harden plays for Houston, I hope that that's the reason why. Speaking of NBA, um, so the first couple of preseason games have come across, and I already know what you're going to talk about. But wait on that. (sighs) Your I don't want to hear about your Bulls yet. Insert insert Pat Williams. 
what what have you seen from the non rookies? Like I know we like Boogie and John Wall. I know you see something in them, and you're not ready yet to crown them. But what has made you smile that you've seen so far in preseason? Well, as a guy who has cheered Demarcus Cousins on really since college, it feels good to watch him up to his old antics. Yes. Uh, He's hitting threes. He's active. He's scowling every time he fouls somebody. Like, it feels like the same old boogie. And to watch that happen after everything he's been through over the last 18 months is is great. Uh, His teammate, John Wall, has the same burst, the same relentless determination to finish at the rim. That feels awesome. And another teammate, Eric Gordon, looks awesome. Mm. Uh, He's really stepping up without James Harden and... uh, just being really, really aggressive. So there is a lot to like about that. On the other end, I mean, you can't say enough about Durant and Irving, uh, how great they look together. And that's the emphasis on together. Like we knew more than likely than not individually they can play, but the fact that they were showing a pick and roll in a two-man game and even some transition moves should uh, should scare everybody who uh, seemed to doubt them before. Uh, when it comes to the rest of the league, like I, I quite like what the Lakers are showing. I think uh, Talon Horton, uh, Tucker, Tucker uh, yeah. THC, yep. will uh, has, has proven himself as potentially a rep- uh, rotation player, which gives them flexibility to maybe try to move a guy like Kuzma, actually, and uh, free up minutes and get some assets back. In addition to that, uh, say what you want about Mark Gasol's shot and his conditioning, but his passing is still there, so that should scare people who assume that that guy was just washed up. So there's there's a lot to like so far about a, a lot of these veterans. Um, and there's also a, not, a lot to like, uh, which I'm sure we'll touch on. So, so you did bring up the Lakers. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing from them. John Wall does look like he has that burst. I think he and Boogie are just going to love being down in Houston with or without James Harden. And you mentioned KD and Kyrie. Um, Katie and Kyrie look like they are just having fun and they're they're happy. Um, again, they did an Instagram live feed. We're gonna play that right now. You know, because I'm, I just want to be able to just. In my past life, like I said, I was you. I was you. I was you. Where you are now, that's what I'm up here. I same mentality. I'm getting to a spot. I'm raising up. I'm getting to a, a, a bucket. My footwork is impeccable. I have length. I'm able to shoot over top, hold, hold the follow-through, and I don't see people. I, I, I Do you not feel the same way? I do sometimes, but I'm just saying I don't think that's good for the continuity of our offense if our point guard always want to be it underneath the rim. You know what I'm saying? You know what? That that can't come off. That can't come off. You know what I mean? I do. You're right. That can't come off like I'm trying to implement myself. Just okay, so what about so what about seven post ups instead of eight? I mean, we negotiated up that I thought we was gonna do two and a half or uh, two and a half post ups a game. The half one is like I throw you the ball in the post and you just throw it right back out to me. No, but I'm also saying I feel like every play down I have a mismatch, no matter who's in front of me. So I think that that mentality mixed with having that post guard is a great balance, you know, for our squad, for our offense. Yeah, we gonna see though. I think I mean I, I know my post ups are negotiable, but I I think four and a half works, like eight. That that what we'll we'll see. We'll see. 
question. Graham. Okay, what's up? And what they did yeah. was let everyone into conversations that teammates should have, I feel, if they're not having, and constructive criticism from other teammates that should be given and not be not be feeling of disrespect and when someone kind of keeps it real. So Kyrie says, I should be getting more posts. I should be getting more time in the paint. Katie's like, no, dude, that's not how it works. Like, he's like, well, we negotiate two and a half. Half of that is coming back out to me. So you're only getting two. And Kyrie, of course, keeps pushing. Well, four, eight, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see Kyrie being, I'm happy to see both of those guys being able to talk like that, being able to let us into their world like that. Kyrie being able to say how he feels and KD being able to say, no, that's not the way it goes. Either they're incredibly brilliant or they're trolling us or a little bit of both. But I think what they're doing is awesome. What do you think? Yeah, I can't tell if it's like a a very insightful conversation or the type of conversation you have in your dorm room at 2 (laughs) a.m. But it's it's cool from a behind-the-scenes perspective to just see these guys' rapport. Like, we hear all the time that uh, these guys are friends off the court. Indeed, they recruited each other. But to actually hear a conversation was was remarkable just from the, the you know, the back and forth. And uh, I, I like whenever I see Durant, the basketball mind, right? Because we never necessarily see that. We've heard from Steve Nash from uh, his time in Golden State and now in Brooklyn that clearly Durant is a lot more cerebral than we ever gave him credit for. But actually being able to go through the minutia of the offense and how Larry Irving can best be used was uh, actually really nice and uh, really insightful. Uh, so I, I enjoy it. And frankly, I want to hear more of it. Those two should have a podcast. Let's they, do it. You know, and the, and the thing about it, that's what I was kind of getting at. They, they might be on to something there because can you imagine teammates from every team doing this with their own Dame Lillard was in the comments you know and if let's say Dame and CJ did something or or Clay and Steph and and they're talking about well I need the game here and Katie's like well no we negotiated this like for them to give us that real conversation and I know they got off that live you know hey we're only gonna talk about specific things here you know but that was real enough for people to understand that these are the type of conversation that and these guys are already um um eclectic thinkers i'll put it that way and (laughs) and so for them to be able to open up and allow people to see that kind of communication between the two of them i thought it was awesome and and they're really they're on to something um Uh, go ahead yeah i think jj reddick was kind of the trailblazer right yes maybe not just reddick but the people on the on the cavaliers uh it was channing fry and richard jefferson yes for active players to be Road doing tripping. stuff like this and making their voices heard uh, is something that uh, I would have dream, only dreamed of about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the type of stuff you watch NBA TV and see like behind the scene camcorder footage of people in the locker room and be like, more, more of this. Yes, like it's the last dance. Oral histories. Right. Yeah, it's why you watch the last dance or read the oral histories like uh, the Jordan rules. Yes. Like this is the behind the scenes content that we all crave. So more of this, pretty please. Okay, you mentioned your team. Name right. two teams that you are excited to watch this year. And tell me two why. Teams I'm excited. Yes, you you get right. two you get league pass for only two teams this season. Okay, this make it make this. make it 3. Make it 3. Oh, this is going to be tough. Yes. Um, I'll start. I think the Nets are 
I'll start. start. I'll start. One team I have to see is the Atlanta Hawks. I got to see Bogey and Trey and Gallo and and oh my and DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish who had a great second half of the season pre-bubble last year and Clint Capella and Onyeke. I mean that team I cannot wait to see. I cannot wait to see the the Phoenix Suns. You know, um, the backup center Jalen that they picked at number ten, Jalen Smith. I think he's going to be awesome. I think he and he's going to fill in when DeAndre Hunter needs to come out. He's going to play alongside DeAndre Hunter, and he's going to back up DeAndre Hunter if DeAndre Hunter needs to sit for a game or two. I think that that was an excellent pick. People thought it was a head scratcher. Um, but now it's starting to play. Chris Paul is going to be an excellent floor general for them, and I'm looking forward to them seeing them. The third team, I'm not going to take yours, your thunder because I know where you're going. I like what I saw in the Rui Hachimura, Denny Avija combination. Denny looked like he's been playing in the NBA for for this is his fourth year and he's gonna have a breakout year. I think those guys are gonna onto something as well. I think so too. I mean, I think the Wizards would have my all right. Uh, my Wizards would kind of have an honorary uh, spot in my team. Yep. Just because. Um, I mean, we, well, I watched Denny play uh, a lot, just trying to scout him. Mm-hmm. And the shot always looked right, but it didn't fall, which was fascinating. Like, his free throw numbers were suggested that maybe he really can't shoot, right. and the form was there. Right. So the fact that it seems to have translated uh, is extremely encouraging uh, if I was a Washington Wizard fan. In addition to that, uh, the stuff Troy Brown put in... Oh. Was, was really cool. He looks like he might be a factor as a six man, and I can't wait to see Beal and Westbrook that interplay. So that would be like my uh, my number four team. Okay. Uh, ma- making my list, I mean, obviously I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. Right. Recovering Chicago <laughs> Bulls fan. I, uh, I really like what Donovan is doing in terms of forcing these guys outside their comfort zone during, uh, during these preseason games. Uh, game one, he intentionally didn't offer a real scouting report against the Rockets and basically ran sets and weird rotations to get a feel. Uh, game two, he started running the offense through uh, Wendell Carter, who were both on record as saying could potentially be a most improved player. Yep, that's uh, that's you. You addition- called that. Oh, yeah. yeah. In addition to that, Kobe White is showing clear signs of being a facilitator, which is wonderful. Zach Levine continues to look unstoppable. Otto Porter looks healthy. Um, and Pat Williams looks incredibly active on both ends, and I'm ready to call it right now and say that dude uh, was not a reach. He's going to be a factor probably sooner rather than later uh, because of COVID and uh, the losses they're going to take in this season in terms of depth. Okay. And finally, finally, I'm very concerned about Larry Markkinen, I told you, mm-hmm. uh, because when Wendell Carter Jr.'s shot isn't falling, I still see what service he brings to this team in terms of defense and uh, passing. And Lowry just disappears, and it's unfortunate, and hopefully he figures that out. In terms of another team I really like, I love watching Portland. Portland may be the deepest team in the league right now. Those games against the Kings have been phenomenal. Yes. Just because Harry Harry Giles Jr., oh. uh, Harry Giles, excuse me, is treating them like they're Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Oh. Uh, he's just destroying fools. Oh. Uh, Derek... Derek Jones Jr. is turning into the player we kind of hoped he'd be. Yep. Robert Covington is doing Covington things. So the fact that that team can now say they're legitimately like nine players deep 
is something that they couldn't see in seasons before and uh, is extremely encouraging. And finally, wild card, Oklahoma City. Wow, was that going to be a fun experiment? Poku looked extraordinarily advanced for the player I thought he'd be just by scouting him. All those pieces, TJ Leaf showed a little bit of a pulse for the first time in about two or three years. SGA is going to do SGA things, and if they get any kind of uh, increased production out of Dort, and I believe they will, uh, that team is going to form a core and then have about 19 draft picks to shore it up even more. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll start with Chicago. Pat Williams, that's his job pretty soon. Otto Porter is, has a nice tradable contract to a last year of a deal that a team who's right on the cusp may want to take Otto Porter, you know, and, and you know, Dallas will take him for a year, just or for the rest of the season, rather, uh, just to get off to Hardaway and those kind of contracts, maybe. But Pat Williams, I don't know who he reminds me of. And, and you know, we always try to find people, oh, he reminds you of this. You can say... I can't think of it's he's got the power of a young Jerome Kersey, you know, that I will move on you and dunk on you and not be afraid of the body contact that we're going to have. But he does it with like finesse, you know, and you know what I mean? It's I I don't know how to explain it. And that lineup like you you're I know you're a fan of Laurie, but you're kind of hard on him for some reason. I I think it's the curly locks. Um, Yeah. I really like him and Carter together. You know, with William, I think Williams is going to take a lot of pressure off of Laurie because Williams kind of can be a little bit more of a, of offensive an offensive threat. You know, like physically with Levine and, and Kobe White, who's who, who's that team. You don't have to worry about them. They they're set. That's their starting lineup for the next seven to ten years. As far as uh, Portland, yes, Harry Giles. I, I am pulling for that guy like I'm pulling for DeMarcus Cousins. I was pulling for him at Duke. I was pulling for him with his knee injuries. I was so happy when he went to the Kings. And now he in Portland, it just looks like he's just, okay, I need to show you guys who I am. Um, he's playing like his life depends on it because it does. And I'm happy to see. Um, I, I'm happy to see what I'm getting from Harry Giles. And as far as OKC, so... You got your point guard set, I think, in SGA. You got Poku set. He can be kind of like your four. I think Baisley's your three. I think Dort could be your two or your your Marcus Smart sixth man defensive stopper. You got 16 draft picks to get a big, big, like Evan Mobley out of USC to pair with Poku or to get a two like a Cade Cunningham to play with, a, to play with SGA. OKC, to me, they're going to be the dominant team and New Orleans in the, for the next five to ten years. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Sam Presti and those guys. Yeah, what, it's, um, what are you, swimming? I'm thinking a couple steps ahead. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm not <laughs> swimming. I, I don't... Huh. I think I might have talked on my headphone jack one sec. I think um, Sam Presti is always one to, uh, to think a couple steps ahead. He pulled the, the ripcord on this team seemingly last year, and they played well above expectations and rather than doubling down and making bad decisions he kind of reset his clock to for another two to three years so already we're seeing very positive developments from that team and those young players and if Poco legitimately is going to be a contributor this year then already we see clear signs that that team is maybe a couple years closer than we than we even expected right right 
You know, Sean just told the people, um, hold the hot, stu- hot tub jets, please. Um, I'm finishing a podcast here. Ladies, wait. I'm not finished yet. <laughs> I know you're over there having a good time in Arizona, Sean. <laughs> hey, you can't stop me. It's my right to have a party. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'm, I'm excited about the, the, the season going. Like you said, Portland's going to be nice. I'm just waiting for the season to get started soon. Um, lastly, we'll wrap it up with this. <clears throat> the man, the greatness, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, wrote a couple of great articles, one in Sports Illustrated about uh, LeBron James winning the sportsman of, Sports Person of the Year, and the other on WebMD, if you guys... Um, um, ever get a chance to look at that the grace of Kareem about the health of, of, of black folks and COVID and, and things of that sort the title is called Black Lives Matter and it's more about the health of black folks and Sean I, I love you and I have talked about this off air because I know how, how much you respect Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as well as a non- black person I don't know how else to to, to to use when you see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and you read the, the and you read some of his exposés like how how does doesn't that make you feel warm and tingly I mean, it really does I don't think there's a greater example of a of a guy who is working himself on a daily basis to become a better more educated person um, Kareem has never been afraid to take risks, whether that be, you know, uh, politically, socially, whatever. But the simple fact of the matter is that this is a man who was born in 1947 who makes it his duty to educate himself day after day. Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't see that. It's remarkable that a guy who came from who grew up, you know, Manhattan mm-hmm. went, went to uh, went to LHA High School started playing in a racially segregated time, went to UCLA, played for the greatest college coach, and has just been setting examples of excellency, excellency excuse me, ever since. He went into coaching, which was truly remarkable, and we didn't, we didn't think he would. He's gone on to television writing, political activism, government appointments. He has a political message of a political uh, medal of freedom, excuse me, presidential medal of freedom. So my urging would be if you're looking for a role model and you're a young black player and i say this as a young jewish guy so pinch of salt but don't necessarily look for it in guys like lebron james or guys like dennis Rodman who made a living off you know raising hell look for it for a guy who sees the act of growing old as a process and an opportunity to keep learning so I just encourage everybody to read that article and explore what Kareem has explored because the guy has gone from the hardwood to writing on the show Veronica Mars. Right. Who can who, who can who else can compare to that journey? No, no, not too many people have have that kind of bandwidth. You know, um, here's one quote that that, and this is on WebMD, you guys. So if you want to look, look at that, and and he made it simple: the backlash in which white people proclaimed all lives matter clearly had no understanding of the issue. Blacks weren't saying that black lives matter more. They were emphasizing that the way the system works, black lives matter less. And the way that he puts that should, like, I think that could put it in perspective for everyone. Like, ah, now I understand. You know, and and, and just in those few words, it kind of sums it up for everyone to kind of like 
kind of get a grasp of it. So kudos to Kareem for saying that. Yeah, I mean, in a greater picture, I would advise everybody to think a little deeper. I think what I've seen, and it shocked me, and this is a soapbox for a second, uh, is that there's a lack of uh, intellectual curiosity. Right. I think that's permeating a lot of people. And we're seeing that, whether it be in the, with this pandemic, with this election, with people leaning into sources of not necessarily disinformation, but people who want to prey on your worst fears and make you scared. Because when you're scared, you're not necessarily easier to control, but you're easier to be manipulated. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we can be, quote unquote, triggered by people saying, uh, Black Lives Matter, and the spontaneous reaction on one side is to say, no, they don't. Right. And the spontaneous uh, <laughs> uh, look on the other is to say, well, you have some problems and don't see this as nuanced, so you're a racist. Well, that's problematic. So I would just advise everyone to live their life like Kareem. And if you see something that confuses you or, heck, even pisses you off, well, read about it. Find out why people are saying what they're saying and don't automatically think that we should appeal to our worst nature. Because more often than not, people are good. They have the right kind of motivations for doing this stuff. So just just, just keep working at it, folks. You, you know what, Sean? You got my vote. Um, I think that you said it. You, I couldn't have said it you know, better. I think that to hear people say it that don't look like me, like you get it. There are lots of people who get it. There are lots. There are some people who don't get it. Lots of people who don't get it. But then there are some people who just don't understand. Whether they get it or don't get it, they may have questions. And that's what you just said. Read about it. Learn about it. If you have questions, ask someone, hey, I'm not understanding what this means. Or, you know, Google can get you a lot of places. And and don't believe everything you read. You might have to dig deeper, people. You know, um, there may be one network that you watch more than another. I, I tend to like watching both just because I like to see different ways of, okay, this is how a certain demographic is thinking and this is how another demographic is thinking because I need to continue to educate myself and as we all need to. And so, you know, Sean, I appreciate you for, for, for even, you know, understanding and, and appreciating that. We've had many of these type of conversations, though. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's, it's great to feel comfortable. This is a forum we've kind of created where we can have these difficult conversations, hopefully without the fear of being destroyed on Twitter right. or, uh, or canceled. Like, right. These need to be had because otherwise the only recourse is taking to the streets and hitting each other with clubs. So the fact of the matter is I'd much rather talk to you than hit you. So let's keep it up. And, and it's okay to be uncomfortable, people. It's okay to, to not – it's okay. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm going to rebel because – Someone told me that you were wrong, so you're gonna. It's okay to be uncomfortable and ask those questions. So, um, we'll put a pin in that conversation for another day. Lastly, so the NBA gave all 30 NBA teams 30 million dollars for the help of finances to help with cash flow, liquidity issues due to you know no fans being in the arena. Um, must be nice to be a billionaire and still need help, right? Yeah. Uh <laughs> Let's bail out all those people. Uh, meanwhile, next door to these wonderful arenas, let's let uh, mom and pop's restaurant go under go out of business. Right. Uh, like uh, the whole thing is kind of exposing uh, who, who the interested parties are and uh, who gets the money and who does not. So while hopefully this money trickles down to, let's say, the security guards who show up to work 
to help fans out and won't get to come to the arena or right. the merchandise person or the interns that they can't hire. Like you and I used to be interns. Right. We know the people who are not going to get that $10 an hour for them. <laughs> right. that, that dream of a lifetime opportunity. Yep. Like that money needs to hopefully go beyond just the players and the executives and trickle throughout this organization. So hopefully uh, it's being cataloged and extensively looked at because I'd ideally like to see uh, everybody walk away with a certain amount of equity, not in that traditional like socialist sense, but just in let's just be fair and do the right thing kind of kind of deal. Man, I remember those internship days. So the NBA, each team gets about 40% of its revenue uh, from game day activities. And, and most of that is ticket sales and concessions. So they're not getting any money for ticket sales or concessions. But there are people who work in ticket sales. And there are people who work in concessions. And like you said, the security guards and, and those who you know are just the bartenders and those sorts of people. I, I, I do hope that those teams or those... Uh, that money gets, you know, trickled down. I know Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban is a real dude. Because Mark Cuban, is, he's still paying his folks. He's helping Delonte West. I love Mark Cuban. I wish I had an idea to bring to him because he'd buy it on Shark Tank. But, you know, I, I just hope that it does get trickled down, Sean. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Thanks again, Sean, for, for coming in and, and talking to us. Um, we're going to do a preview of the season in the next episode to kind of put our final rankings for the 2020-2021 NBA season, 72 games. And until next time, Sean, hey, thanks for being on with me, bro. Anytime. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.